0: This is the AT Banter Podcast, a balanced and entertaining look at assistive technology, accessibility, and its importance in people's lives. Join Rob Minot, Ryan Fleury, and Steve Barclay as they banter with people around the world about anything and everything regarding assistive technology and the disability community. Now, on with the show.
1: Hey, and welcome to another episode of AT Banter,
2: Banter, Banter.
1: Um, my name is Rob Minot, and joining me today, the lovely Mister Ryan Flurry.
2: My name is Ryan Flurry,
1: and it's uh, yeah. Hello, it's the it's the most banterific show
2: on the internet banterific we should have an AT banter branded coffee or something that would be good wouldn't it yeah or tequila tequila would work
1: tequila would probably be more apt (laughs) although um I do see in the calendar that you you have booked some 8 a.m shows so maybe maybe coffee would be (laughs) also a a good choice that's right oh how are you doing I'm
2: doing okay
1: how are you enjoying 2021 so far
2: Uh, so far so good. You know, I keep waiting and hearing that, you know, more vaccines are coming online for the pandemic. So, you know, things are looking encouraging. Um, you know, life is normal. You know, we go out, we grab our groceries, we come home. That's about it. Yeah.
1: Yeah. (laughs) That's going to be the weird part about when this is all over is just sort of returning to quote normal Um, socialization again whatever that is i have a feeling that you know just keep doing what i'm doing like i don't know well
2: i think what's i think what's interesting is i think coming out the other side of this there's going to be some people that have and i don't know if ptsd is the right term but this has been pretty traumatic for i think a lot of folks yeah that's true that's true it's going to be it's going to be interesting what kind of services are going to be needed or required or where there's holes in the systems to support people.
1: Yeah, my worry though is that if the holes haven't been filled at this point, uh <laughs> they're probably not going to be filled once this is all over. Yeah. So, um but anyways, that's that's. uh That's
2: the. Now we gotta we, gotta we gotta
1: we gotta we gotta stay optimistic. how do we get gloomy and doomy in the I first five minutes we of the show? Stop
2: getting gloomy. You
1: gotta ask, stop asking you how you're doing. Clearly. I guess. So, well, so here's, here's something uh, positive about 2021 uh, that's show-related, is uh, we can now offer transcripts for each of our shows, which we're very thing. excited about.
2: Absolutely. Yeah, it was
1: a long time coming. Uh, we knew for a long time that transcripts were something that we should definitely have, being an assistive technology show and advocates for accessibility, etc., but uh, we just didn't, we couldn't really find the means to, to do it, um, you know, aside from setting up, you know, three, four hours a week and do it ourselves. But we just, we didn't have the time and we certainly didn't have the budget to hire a transcription service to do it. But uh, we're pretty pleased that we found, we came across a pretty good service. And, you know, they're not sponsors or anything, but we'll, we'll give them a plug anyways. But it's a, it's a service called Otter AI and it works pretty well you know 20 bucks a month and it does a pretty good decent job of of um, at least providing a first pass of transcription and uh we have to go in and do a little bit of tweaking and editing but it works works pretty great at banter sponsored by otter ai no they're not sponsors although if they wanted to give us free membership every month that'd be cool but (laughs) I don't think they'd get their money's worth out of us plugging on the uh, podcast. But anybody out there who is looking for some sort of a transcription solution, I'd recommend AI.
2: It's definitely more economical than having to hire somebody to do your transcription or, you know, the time involved to do it yourself. Oh,
1: yeah, absolutely. Um, But I will say, I will warn you, if you thought editing yourself um, (laughs) audio-wise was... You know a real kick in the kick in the junk uh try try reading a transcription of what you're saying to really make you feel like an idiot
2: yeah it's it's pretty interesting looking back at you know the the text transcript of an audio recording and just seeing how sloppy our vocabularies actually are
1: yeah and how many times you say quote you know or like uh, <laughs> man i'm just an idiot <laughs> But no, so you look, I'm excited about 2021. I'm excited about the new transcripts. I'm excited about the new uh, guests that you've got lined up. We got we have some pretty good shows lined up for you people. Today's not one of them, but <laughs> but uh, sorry. <laughs> Yoink. Sorry to, to rip that rug out from under you. But uh, why don't you tell the people what they've won for listening this week, Ryan?
2: What are we doing this week? This week is just a news slash, I guess, I was going to say a topic show, but it's a news show. We've we've gathered some news from the past few days that we're going to discuss about assistive technology, um, advocacy, and so on. That's right.
1: And you're going to get our opinion on it. And you know what they say about opinions.
2: What do they say about opinions?
1: Oh, you know what they say about opinions.
2: No, I don't think I do. Yes, you
1: do. Everybody has one.
2: Oh, that saying. That saying, yeah, that's right. <laughs> I see. Yeah, I, I also want to give a shout-out to um, some of our listening audience who um, have been suggesting guests for us to get on AT Banter. I really appreciate that, um, and it's looking like we're going to have some really good shows, like Rob mentioned, coming up. So thank you, everybody.
1: Oh, really? Were a lot of those, some of those uh Audience suggestions. Yeah. Oh wow! Excellent. Well, well done, audience.
2: Hmm. We love you all.
1: We do. You know, it's funny. You know, in preparing for today's show, here's what sucks about twenty twenty. It's really it's taken the oxygen out of the room in terms of development. I feel like there is not a lot going on right now um, in terms of new products or new software or even like everybody's talking about the pandemic and what's going on.
2: Yeah, even, you know, looking at some news sources about CES, the consumer electronics show that's going on right now in Las Vegas, you know, it's, it's a virtual event this year for the most part. And I haven't really seen a lot that's been, you know, revolutionary again, it's evolutionary and like you say, I'm not seeing a lot of development.
1: No, and not only that, like even in terms of moving the ball forward accessibility-wise or within the disability community, there's really, there's not a lot going on. I think people, a lot of people are just in survival mode. It's just, let's get through 2020. Let's get through however large of a portion of 2021 we need to get through just to get on the other side of this. And so it feels like everybody's in like a little bit of a holding pattern.
2: Right. Which, you know, it's okay because maybe there is some development going on behind the scenes and then it's just going to explode.
1: I had a conversation with a friend about the pandemic early on and looking sort of forward at the other side of this. And I do feel like that, like even just in retail and new stores and new restaurants, all these stores and restaurants or companies that went under during the pandemic, those people are going to come back with new companies and you know, doing, opening new stores once this is all over. So I feel like, yeah, like 2022 is going to be like a huge explosion of new stuff.
2: Well, we can really, we can only hope, um, you know, Starbucks, you know, I read is looking at closing over 300 stores by March, you know, um, the travel tourism industry is dead. Um, you know, it's like you say, it 2022 is going to be, uh, a brand new year. And I yeah. think a very exciting year yeah. with, like you say, new stores, new franchises, new retail. There's going to be a lot of new opportunities in 2022.
1: Yep. Yeah. yeah, exactly. For, you know, as, as much as 2020 and 2021 are going to kind of suck, 2022 is going to be like sort of a rebirth. So I'm excited for that for sure. I mean, I'd definitely travel, the travel industry is going to be something that, just explodes i'm sure that's Mm -hmm. the first thing that everybody's going to want to do is is go travel (laughs) yep (laughs) i don't know if we need the 300 starbucks that's closing like really like we kind of had enough i could kind of i don't know could maybe put something else in those spots
2: yeah apple kiosks (laughs) no no not apple kiosks google stores
1: (laughs) Uh, all right well hey you want to talk a few about, about a few of these news stories Sure. Let's see where we go. Okay. Yeah. I saw this article the other day and it really sort of stood out to me as something that has been an issue for a very long time. In my mind, disability advocates call for easier access to life-changing technology. So this is basically an article all about how there's this amazing technology out there called assistive technology, but nobody can afford it which I'm sure that many of our listeners can relate to that. So let me read some of this for you. Tammy Martin has spent more than a decade helping young students with special needs learn to read, a skill that she too would struggle with if not for a state-of-the-art device that allows her to clearly see the words on the page. The educational assistant from Nova Scotia is one of the many Canadians with a disability requiring the use of life-changing but often prohibitedly priced assistive technology that advocates say needs to be more accessible. So there's the irony right there. <laughs> the, we've got assistive technology that's not accessible because it's price. Martin has optic nerve hypoplasia, a congenital condition where the optic nerve is underdeveloped, and uses a wearable medical device called eSight from a Toronto-based company. Now, e eSight, uh, that's a lot like... Um, it's a wearable, right? Uh, it's a lot like, uh, what, else, what, what, what else do we sell like that? The Iris Vision?
2: Yeah, Iris Vision is similar in some regards. Um, the majority sort of similar, but the eSight, that device was pretty revolutionary yeah. and very expensive. Well, are, it was up in around the $10,000 price point.
1: Yeah, well, you're exactly right because the article goes on to say, uh, and it's a quote from her. She says, quote, it's completely life-changing. I'm able to do so many more things said Martin who was able to fundraise through the company for her first e site in 2017 which cost nearly thirteen thousand um, dollars so the article goes on to talk about it now and of course you know in that time I mean 2017 this this thing would have been like state of the art really revolutionary yeah. so um, which is you know thirteen thousand dollar price tag but of course now it's come down to about seven thousand but Still, I mean, you think, you think about $13,000, that's a new car.
2: Well, and what's really frustrating is, you know, you and I and Steve, we've been in the industry 20, 30 years, and nothing has really changed. You know, some provinces in Canada do have some funding programs for specialized equipment or adaptive devices, but there is no national program. None yep. of this is covered by insurance policies. So a lot of people are having to raise their own funds through Lions Clubs, Elks Clubs, GoFundMes. You know, and if you look at the statistic from 2017, was it 1.5 million people can't afford a device or an aid that they need? Yeah. Like, why is this not being addressed? This is nothing new.
1: Yeah, and I I agree so hard. I mean, I remember when I was with Aroga, and that was always the the challenge of marketing these devices was the fact that you, there are these great devices for a demographic that can't afford them, um, and it's it, it's really frustrating that there's there's nothing out there that would help mitigate at least some of the cost. I mean, you don't even necessarily need to advocate for everybody getting a device for free, um, even even just part of the price.
2: This this goes from everything from canes to wheelchairs to communication devices for people who are nonverbal and and that, that statistic was for people 15 years of age or older so there's a whole younger population as well you know learning disabilities the spectrum is so broad that I it you know and being totally blind myself like even if somebody just needed a screen reader to gain access to their computer you know, you might be able to go to your insurance agent if you have insurance mm-hmm. and ask them to cover some of the cost um, or maybe a rehab department of some sort. But it's still, like I said earlier, it just floors me that there is no program for any sort of coverage that I'm aware of in Canada to help meet the needs of this mass population that is only getting older and exploding.
1: And especially when you we talk about things like workplace inclusivity and accessibility. Well, you're, you're not going to be able to, to employ people if they don't actually have any sort of assistive technology to do any sort of training to even have to go to school. Like even right. a, a school-age kid who is blind or partially sighted without something like a, a screen reader or something or, or a braille display or a note taker, they're really hamstrung in terms of, of what, how they're going to learn.
2: Well, and even, you know, magnification products. Sure, somebody might be okay with, you know, a handheld magnifier that costs, you know, $45. But the other end of that spectrum is somebody might need a desktop CCTV to magnify the print or their computer screen large enough. And, you know, that's going to be two, three, four, five thousand dollars $5,000. I don't know what the solution is to this problem. But oh, I do. somebody needs to address this, and maybe the Accessible Canada Act will include some mm-hmm. of some of this, I, I'm, it just really surprises me that more and more people aren't talking about this topic because this isn't new.
1: No, it isn't new. And I think that people have been talking about it. It's just nothing's been done about it. I mean, and, and generally these solutions have taken place on a provincial level. So every province has had its programs that helped fund equipment for people with disabilities. Um, so, and, you know, Historically, the the mileage has varied. Alberta is a great example of that. 10 or 20 years ago in Alberta, people would just get a device every year, you know, because the province was rich, they had all that oil money, and they had some really great programs in place that would help provide equipment for people with disabilities. That's all gone like Alberta is a wasteland now and, and BC here in BC, it's never really been any good. We, we had, yeah. I remember one period where we had that program. What was that program E-A-T-I. called?
2: EATI EATI.
1: Yeah. Where the, the government would provide up to a certain dollar value of equipment for somebody who was, who with a disability, who was looking to train for work, I believe is, is, was the,
2: is that yeah, right? And Ontario had the ADP program and still do. Um, you know, I'm not sure where that program is at and how current the device list is, but, you know, there is that program in Ontario as well. But, you know, I think ultimately we need a national program for assistive devices that people can access when they need, need a device or an aid.
1: Yeah, I agree. A hundred percent. Even if it's mitigated, like even if it's half mm-hmm. the cost of the device, um, it, would, it would, I think, it would make a huge difference in people's lives. Yeah. Because part of the problem is who has $13,000 to just drop on something? (laughs) And I mean, like, it makes no sense to me that you can go out and you can finance a car. You can get somebody who works at Wendy's. No offense to anybody who works at Wendy's. I love you. Thank you for providing the Baconator. You're doing God's work. But if somebody there can go and buy a new car and have it financed and -hmm. just make payments every month, why the hell can't that be happening for assistive technology when it's this is life-changing technology this is technology that isn't you're not giving something special to somebody you're actually just leveling the playing field
2: right and i think that's the key right there we want to talk inclusive society we need to level the playing field no matter what that cost is you know and we have to give some credit to humanware you know they have a financing program for people who are blind low vision to you know make smaller payments on their devices braille displays Talking book players and so on, so you know, kudos to them, but you know, it's it's a start, and we have a long way to go. And I
1: mean, uh, yes, I mean, you can you can leave it to the manufacturers or the retailers, but and a lot of times, like these assistive technology companies, and we know this you know intimately, a lot of these assistive technology companies aren't big companies; they can't necessarily afford to do something like financing or putting put in place these programs they're not actually all that easy to do and they do take the the companies that provide these services do take a big cut and when the margins are are sort of thin enough for a small retailer it's it's just they just can't do it no so it needs this problem needs funding it it needs funding for the government and i mean I don't know, I don't know what the solution is. You know what, take $2 off everybody's check as a some sort of a tax and put that into a kitty. And Like, I don't know, I don't know how much money that would be, but like, whatever, if I have to pay $2 a check so that everybody can have assistive technology that they need, sign me up,
2: I'm okay with well, that. Well, and, and I think what you have to keep in mind too is you may not have a disability or a need now, but look down the road, 10, 20, 30 years, you know, the generations, we're all getting older, um we don't know what is going to be down the road for us so at some point even if it's even if it's a a low vision aid like a pebble handheld magnifier or maybe it's a wheelchair or maybe it's hearing aids um you know we're all going to need something at some point in time and with the baby boomer generation exploding that need is getting greater and greater and this is a problem we need to address now not 10 years 20 years down the road
1: Yeah. And what really burns me is, is I think about sort of the other end of that. Like I think of somebody who's just starting in, in school who needs this equipment in order to learn. I mean, you're, you're, what parent can drop $8,000 for a braille display?
2: Yeah. And it's already hard enough for those of us with disabilities trying to prove that A, we can do the job B, we can get to the job place, you know, getting accessible textbooks done. If our courses if we are going to school, you know, there's enough hurdles thrown in front of us already that we should be able to just say, you know, look, we're taking this program at this institution. Here's the forms I need to fill out, submit them to the government or insurance or whatever the program looks like. A, I get my screen reader or I get my magnifier or whatever the the aid is. And you just proceed as normal.
1: You know, it, ah, oh, see, I get so fired oh. up when we talk about this stuff because it's well, so stupid. I mean, because, you know, on the one hand, we're, you know, we're not making things accessible for people. There's, there's the whole accessibility fight and then we're, but you also can't have the equipment that you need because it's too expensive. Like we, there's so many hurdles that mm-hmm. society is, is putting up against people with disabilities that it, yeah, it's no wonder.
2: I, well, well, like I said, you know, this is a discussion that, you know, those of us in the industry have, have known and those of us with needs have known for decades yeah, and it hasn't been addressed.
1: Having worked in the assistive technology field, and Ryan, of course, you're still there, um, you know quite well that what's available in what province, because quite often that's people who are looking into these devices. That's their first question is, well, is there funding for it? Or, well, this, this $8,000 device is great, but I can't really afford it do I have any options? And quite often we have to point them to different programs. Right. And these days, certainly in the last 10 years, those have just been drying up like crazy. I don't know of any province that has a a passable program other than Ontario and the ADP that still, but that's, but that's also been really stripped down compared to 20 years ago. Right. Yep.
2: Yeah, and and like you said, you know, there isn't a one-stop website or organization I can think of that somebody who has a disability can go to to find out what's available in their area. You know, it's, it's a Google search fiasco. You know, I live in Alberta. What funding sources are available for wheelchairs or hearing aids or the government can put our country $300 billion in debt due to the the pandemic, we can come up with some money for a national funding program for assistive technology devices and aids. Yeah, I agree. Get her done, government.
0: Hi, everyone. This is Steve from Canadian Assistive Technologies, and this is a Shameless Plug. Tablet-based magnification solutions have really taken off over the past couple of years. Products like the Humanware Connect 12 have been extremely popular. Now we have a few different tablet-based systems to go along with the Connect 12. The Connect 12 is based on an Android tablet, which can be great for places using Google Classroom services, but sometimes you need a tablet with a bit more punch. The Mercury 12 from TriSight and the MagnaLink Tab from Low Vision International have similar functionality to the Kinect 12, but both are based on the Microsoft Surface Tablet, a full-blown Windows computer. If you're looking at a tablet-based system, you can look at all three on our website at www.canastech.com.
1: Hey, did you hear that Samsung has made its 2021 TVs more accessible for people with uh, vision or hearing disabilities?
2: Yeah, I was reading this story. It sounds pretty interesting, actually. So Samsung's TV lineup is
1: about to become a lot more accessible for people with low vision or hearing issues. The company on Wednesday said all of its 2020 QLED and Neo QLED models will come with features like being able to move captions to avoid blocking other text on a video and the ability to zoom in on a sign language window to see it better. Along with closed caption and position and sign language zoom, Samsung also showed off the ability to invert colors on a menu. That's that's big for low vision. Mm -hmm, That's That's a good one. It leaves the video as is, but makes it easier for people who are low vision to see the menu options. That's a good one. And I'm sure that that was a real easy fix too. For sure. Well, although there's a quote that maybe changes that quote, it looks simple, but to enable this technology, we had to start by re-engineering the chipset, Samsung said. So I guess maybe it wasn't so simple to do,
2: but. No, see, I kind of disagree. No, I'm not an engineer. But a lot of these TVs are running software now. So would it not have been pretty easy to just go in and change the software to give you the color contrast adjustability? I don't know. Maybe Why change the chipset. I don't know.
1: Maybe Sam, that's maybe that's what the engineers told Samsung, the Samsung <laughs> marketing guys are just like, no, dude, it was really hard. Oh my God, we had to re engineer the chipset. Just put that down. Put that yeah. down as an in the article that we had to re engineer the chipset. Yeah. Uh anyways, uh the uh, Samsung hasn't said yet what its 2021 TVs will cost, but it's likely they won't come cheap. The lowest end Neo QLED for this year roughly equates to last year's 65-inch Q80. Oh my god, 65 inches. Uh I remember when my TV I I had a 50-inch TV and I remember like feeling really super like what do you mean had? Well, I mean I still have it, but I mean Yeah. It's <laughs> Now I'm just like 50 inches. Pfft.
2: Anyways. Yeah. I've got my 55 on my wall. And I remember when I bought it, it was like $1,800. You know, now you can buy like a 65 or bigger for like 800 bucks. <laughs> yeah.
1: I'm amazed at how how much they've come down in price. You can literally yeah. buy my TV for like $300. Like, I mean, yeah, I know, I'm it's... like you, I paid like $1,200, $1,300 for it.
2: Yeah. It's crazy. It is. With no accessibility built in.
1: <laughs> yeah. Or smartness.
2: Right. My TV's
1: yep. not smart at all. So that looks like the big reveal there.
2: Yeah. And I think some of them, I think it mentions um, the guides are accessible as well. Okay, so see. I think I'm in the past and, and maybe still have also enabled text to speech. So you can actually scroll through their menus and it will actually verbal, verbalize those to you as well.
1: So this is interesting. The article goes on technology could be a way to help people with disabilities during the pandemic. In the past, people with special needs had to shell out thousands of dollars for technology that magnified their computer screens, spoke navigation directions, identified their money, and recognized the color of their clothes. Today, users need only smartphones, computers, and a handful of apps and accessories to help them get through their physical and online worlds. Sort of true? Yeah,
2: depending sort on your of.
1: needs. Um Apple in particular has been at the forefront of building accessibility tech into its products and making those innovations part of its regular devices, not premium add-ons. I mean, yes, that is true. And we've talked about that a lot. A lot of accessibility is is sort of being baked into a lot of operating systems like iOS and Android. Slowly but surely, assistive technology is moving away from the idea of being an add-on to being baked in, but we still got a long way to go and there are, a lot of cases where you still need a dedicated piece of AT to do the job. You know, like something like a braille display or a note taker, like you, that needs to be its own device.
2: Agreed. Okay,
1: so anyways, uh, Samsung and other TV makers have offered some accessibility capabilities on their TV sets in the past. Samsung voice guides lets the TV read on screen text and gives verbal feedback about the volume channel and program now that okay so this is a good question for you because I know that you you love your TV mm, but you so have have you ever used any sort of built-in AT like this
2: actually I have and we recently in the last couple months upgraded to Shaw's blue curve or blue sky actually blue sky I think it is uh, cable system And so the Shaw cable box actually has speech feedback. So I can hit the uh, guide button. It'll bring up the TV listings. I can scroll through the different time slots. I can scroll down through the programs, the channels that they're on. I can schedule recordings. It's all accessible and it's phenomenal. Phenomenal because before all this, I had no idea what was on at six o'clock Tuesday night on channel. 210 Um, you know I used to have to remember that okay CTV news was channel 210 global was whatever it was you know CTV sci-fi was this one now I don't have to do any of that I can just hit the guide button it comes up and says you know whatever the the last channel I was sitting on you know 5 p.m. CTV full house or whatever the program is right so yeah I'm using it I love it it's great
1: Interesting. And they've and so that's all built right into, is, is Blue Sky, is that the, there's, like, there's like a modem or is that like a PVR? Like, what is that?
2: I get their blue stuff confused because they've also got, the, they've got the blue curve system and they've got the blue sky system. So I think the blue sky is the cable system and the blue curve is the internet system um, or it's vice versa. Uh, I Again, I don't remember which is which, but it's actually based off of, uh, I think Comcast in the U S their box was um, speech enabled as well. And so I guess Shaw has taken that box from Comcast and tweaked it with their own right. software and services,
1: but it's all baked in. It is. It yep. comes right out of the box. Oh, interesting. You well, see, that's good. We have to make sure that our brain rotting devices are completely <laughs> accessible for people so that they can, they can watch uh, keeping up with the Kardashians just like everybody else. And,
2: well, the other nice thing about it is it has apps built in as well. So it has Netflix and Prime Video. So in the past, I've had to use an Apple TV if I wanted to access those services um, or an Amazon Fire Stick. You know, now I can just, again, hit the the Shaw button or the menu button. I can scroll over to apps. I can open Netflix, watch my shows all from one device. I don't have to have two, three, four different devices. So um, yeah. So- it's right. It, it is, but
1: it, and it's so interesting too to see the manufacturers that are sort of jumping on the accessibility train and the ones that aren't like I've seen many articles in the past few years about stuff like this, about TV manufacturers who are looking at accessibility options. So this is, this is actually not anything new either and doesn't really surprise me, but, I, but I'm really curious to know like why TV manufacturers are, are so quick to jump on accessibility and things other appliances really haven't been like stoves for example like stoves should have new stoves should really have some sort of a i don't know voice feedback
2: they should and that's something we keep hearing about you know washers dryers stove and ovens microwaves you know there has been you know some speech enabled microwaves but a lot of these appliances are menu driven and lcd screens right so You know, I guess if you memorize, hit the button for menu once and then scroll down four times, hit the button again, hopefully you're on, you know, large wash, rinse, <laughs> whatever the settings are yeah. that you're looking for. Um, yeah, it surprises me that these these devices still um, aren't uh, adopting accessibility methods.
1: Well, yeah, I mean, it's great that TVs are, but like you would think like a stove, a stove is like that's essential for somebody. and a lot of mm-hmm. these stoves, the newer stoves, they're all LCD screens. They're all even the, the, you know, the the button that you hit to turn the, to turn the um, element on, is a is a button, and it, it, they're no longer dials.
2: Physical dials or buttons, yeah.
1: So they're getting less and less accessible, and um, that's got to be a problem.
2: All right. So my mission. Is to see if I could get somebody from Samsung or LG, I think, on our podcast and see if something, see if we can ask them about accessibility of of device or products like that. Because Samsung is probably the leader in TVs and the accessibility, because we keep hearing about them in the news over and over and over again. Right. They, they also make their smartphones, which are adopted by many, many people that are accessible. So I'd be interested to know if they're actually working on technology for their um, home appliances other than TV sets.
1: Well, you know, we've heard about different appliances that, that were accessible, but there are always exceptions to the rule. And they always make this big thing like, oh, this, this company has made an accessible dryer that speaks and you know, tells you what cycle you're on. But there, it's always, it's always, always, always an exception to the rule. It's never just something that's just mm-hmm. being baked into two appliances. And there's no reason why they can't be, you know, I, right. maybe they have to re-engineer the chipset. I don't know. I don't know. Maybe it's harder than we, than we think, but it's, it's important. This is, this is people's, how they live their daily lives. And, you know, if you think about it, if you're able-bodied out there and you're listening to this, just close your eyes and try to operate your stove.
2: Yeah, no. And those of us who are blind who are still able to find, you know, let's, like you say, the stove that has physical dials on it, like ours here, um, you've got bumps on, you know, you got a bump at the 350 temperature setting. You got a bump at, you know, whatever the stove dial is that you need to be set at. So, yeah, you know, we've had workarounds and band aid solutions for a number, number of years. But again, you know, going back to, this is nothing new. And I'm sure Samsungs and LGs and Panasonics, I'm sure they've done the market research. Just like you and I know that people are aging, aging at an, an exponential rate that inclusivity and accessibility are at the forefront of people's minds right now. And they need to be working on these solutions now, not 10 years from now. So hopefully they are.
1: Hopefully. But again, it's all market driven, right? Especially things like you know new and shiny appliances.
2: Well, I don't know. They just need to throw a speech chip in there and you can press and hold a button for five seconds. It comes up and says, good morning. What would you like to do today? I would like to broil my potatoes or whatever. I wonder if- okay, I will set the temperature at blah, blah, blah.
1: Well, and that brings up another, you know, another good point. And it's funny because just last week we were talking with uh, Prameet about the Louie voice control app. But like, just think about how powerful a real smart home would be or a smart appliance where you could literally just be like, hey, stove, turn <laughs> on the right element to medium. Yeah. And it would just do it. Like how we can't, the technology must be in place that that's a thing. It could even already be a thing. I don't know. Yeah. I mean, they do have fridges that connect to your smartphone and that can keep inventory. And like, they they have crazy shit out there that (laughs) is is pretty, is pretty cutting edge. trouble is it it doesn't, it's usually gimmicky and it, it hasn't really bled down to like the mainstream mainstream.
2: Well, I think, you know, like I said, I think I'm going to have to do a little bit of research and see if maybe we can get a, a major manufacturer to come on and talk to us about, you know, accessibility in their in their production and see where that's at, because I think that'd be very interesting.
1: Yeah. All, All right. All right. Well, so, so we're already coming up with show topics. Man, we're just we're covering a lot of ground this episode, I'm telling I you. I
2: know. Woo.
1: Uh, we do have an, we did have another article to talk about, but you know what? I don't think we're going to talk about it because we're running out of time. Because we've spent a lot of time babbling, but uh, it's all about the ADA digital accessibility lawsuits and what the stats were for 2020 in terms of just how many how many new suits are out there. And it's it's interesting. It's uh, spoiler alert. It's going up. <laughs> which is so, good listen yeah. web accessibility is a is very important and we we said last year web accessibility in 2020 was more important than ever because so many services had to shift to online only because of the pandemic and a lot of people were shut out of being able to use services because that said service was not accessible so good i'm not surprised by these numbers at all i'm quite pleased with them. I think sue the pants off them and get their attention that way because that will either fix the problem immediately if the company has any sort of sense, unless they're yeah, dominoes and they're, in which you'd fight it. But
2: well and that's just it. If you and we'll link to the article in the show notes, but some of these companies have been sued multiple times. And so it kind of led me to wonder, well, how much teeth does the ADA actually have then if you know, some of these companies just aren't listening and are being sued repeatedly. So interesting topic for another day, but take a look at it. It's interesting. Like like you said, Rob, the numbers are up 25% over last year, um, over 3,500 cases. Yep. So anybody out there who's looking for a career path in the U.S., lawyer would be a great job.
1: <laughs> no, that's <laughs> not true. Well, I mean, maybe it's true. I don't know. Maybe.
2: Yeah. It Uh, sounds like there's a lot of work.
1: (laughs) Oh, good. I mean, listen, people, they they need to pay attention and recognize that this is a thing now. Like it's not 2002 and you can just build a website and get away with stuff like that. You need to, everything needs to be accessible. So. That's right. It's a new world. I think we've done enough damage for one day. I think so. Well, hey, Ryan. Rob. Where can people find us?
2: As usual, they can find us at www.atbanter.com.
1: They can also drop us an email, if they so desire, at cowbell at com. We love getting email, and Ryan loves getting show ideas, so make (laughs) sure that you
2: send us an email. That's right. And you can also find us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. All right.
1: Well, I think that's going to about do it for us this week. Thanks, everyone. I
2: have been Ryan Flurry.
1: Oh, we did this once before and it didn't, it didn't work at all. We got, I totally got confused as to who I was, and it was just a nightmare. Can't be throwing those curveballs at me.
2: <laughs> Too funny.
1: Thanks, everybody, for listening in. Thank you for joining me today, Ryan, and letting me be on your podcast. (laughs) You're welcome. And uh, we will see everybody next week.
0: Bye. This podcast has been brought to you by Canadian Assistive Technology, providing low vision and blindness solutions across Canada. Find us online at www.canastech.com. That's C-A-N-A-S-S-T-E-C-H dot com or call us toll-free at 1-844-795-8324. For all your assistive technology servicing needs, call Chaos Technical Services at 778-847-6840 or find them online at chaostechnicalservices.com.